Over the years, I've been asked by Protestants, why do you priests refer to yourselves as father? The Bible is clear. Call no man father. Okay, what is Jesus getting at? Is he saying that we shouldn't even call our own dad father? Is he saying we shouldn't celebrate Father's Day? Well, when did the first priest start calling himself father? It's actually the Apostle Paul in the New Testament who referred to himself over and over as a spiritual father. In the first letter to the Corinthians, Paul says, I became your father in Christ Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians, he says, I exhorted you like a father with his children. In the letter to Philemon, St. Paul refers to Onesimus, whose father I have become. Paul is the first priest who over and over in the New Testament refers to himself as a father. So what is Jesus getting at? A father is the generator of life, and Jesus is reminding us that ultimately there's only one father, the creator of all there is. And so all human fatherhood is simply a participation in the one fatherhood of God. Jesus is basically saying, you're not God. He's calling us to humility. No man is the origin of fatherhood. God alone is the creator. None of us willed ourselves into being. And so Jesus is calling all of us to humility, to this recognition that God alone is the creator. God alone is the father and source of all that is good. So we're called to give God the glory. In a similar way, Jesus says, call no one rabbi or another translation, call no one teacher. Again, Jesus isn't saying, well, okay, don't call the school teachers teachers. He's reminding us God alone is the source of all truth. A teacher is not the norm of truth. A teacher is simply conveying the truth that comes from God. Again, this is a call to humility. This gospel is so relevant today. First, we live in a culture that has rejected that God is the source of truth. We call this moral relativism, which is the notion that, well, each individual is the norm of truth. I have my truth. You have your truth. In other words, everyone today thinks he or she is the ultimate teacher. This is why the gospel is so relevant. Call no one teacher. You have but one teacher. Truth comes from God. Well, we've also widely rejected the fatherhood of God. We see this in the prevailing gender theory. Our faith tells us, of course, that life is a gift. Our bodies are a gift. We've all experienced being born with a male or female body that we did not choose. And our bodies are integral to who we are. But so many believe that it is contrary to our free will to be born with a sexual identity that is received and not chosen. There are so many today who believe that they can will themselves to be whomever they want to be. Bishop Barron calls this the culture of self-invention. So if I want to identify as a four-foot Chinese woman, well, that's my right, even if it defies objective reality. Now, we are called to treat all people with compassion and be sensitive to people experiencing gender dysphoria, and we should accompany them and walk with them. But Jesus reminds us the truth will set us free, not living in an illusory world. Well, humility, in fact, means living in the truth. 
The word humility comes from the word hummus, which means of the earth. So we see a humble person is down to earth. A humble person has both feet on the ground. They're connected to what's real. They're living in the truth, connected to reality. Well, first, then, what is, it, what is the truth about our relationship with God? The truth is we're totally dependent on the Lord. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. This is why Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. What's poverty of spirit? It's the humble recognition of my nothingness apart from God, of my total dependence on the Lord. This is why Jesus says we must become like children to enter the kingdom of God. A child knows his or her dependence on others. Prayer, then, is an act of humility. Coming to Mass is an act of humility. Showing reverence to God is an act of humility. Going to confession is an act of humility. In fact, salvation begins with this humble recognition. Lord, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Obedience, listening, following God's commands are all acts of humility. One of the first manifestations of pride is rebellion. To think, well, okay, God's commands are mere suggestions or the teachings of the church, well, they don't apply to me. This is all our pride. Finally, what about the truth of our relationship with others? Well, the humble person is attentive to others. How often do we live in our own self-absorbed worlds, kind of caught up in our own minds, thinking about ourselves, what I want, when I want, how I want, Humility doesn't mean to think less of ourselves, but to think of ourselves less, to really be attentive to the needs of other people. Well, let me close with this. Yesterday was the Feast of St. Charles Borromeo, and he said there are three degrees of humility. First, the minimum humility is to obey and honor your superiors. Children, obey their parents. Students, obey their teachers. We obey our mother, the church. The second degree of humility is to submit to equals. And the third degree of humility is to serve your inferiors. This is the humility God shows us. Jesus, who is true God and creator of the universe, stooped to serve his creatures God washed our feet at the Last Supper, and he told us to go and do likewise, as he has loved us, so we are called to love our neighbor. We know then that true greatness in God's kingdom is to be the least of all and servant of all, and that the humble will be exalted.